Second Chronicles chapter 4. Then he made an altar of bronze, 20 cubits long, 20 cubits wide, and 10 cubits high. Also he made the molten sea of 10 cubits from brim to brim. It was round, 5 cubits high, and 30 cubits in circumference. Under it was the likeness of oxen, which encircled it for 10 cubits, encircling the sea. The oxen were in two rows, cast when it was cast. It stood on 12 oxen three looking toward the north, and three looking toward the west, and three looking toward the south, and three looking toward the east, and the sea was set above them, and all their hindquarters were inward. It was a handbread thick, and its brim was like the brim of a cup, like the flower of a lily. It received and held three thousand baths. He also made ten basins, and put five on the right hand and five on the left to wash in them. The things that belonged to the burnt offering were washed in them, but the sea was for the priests to wash in. He made the ten lampstands of gold according to the ordinance concerning them, and he set them in the temple, five on the right hand and five on the left. He made also ten tables and placed them in the temple, five on the right side and five on the left. He made one hundred basins of gold. Furthermore, he made the court of the priests, the great court, and doors for the court, and overlaid their doors with bronze. He set the sea on the right side of the house eastward, toward the south. Huram made the pots, the shovels, and the basins. So Huram finished doing the work that he did for King Solomon in God's house. The two pillars, the bowls, the two capitals which were on top of the pillars, the two networks to cover the two bowls of the capitals that were on top of the pillars, and the 400 pomegranates for the two networks, two rows of pomegranates for each network, to cover the two bowls of the capitals that were on the pillars. He also made the bases, and he made the basins on the bases, one sea and the twelve oxen under it. Huram his father also made the pots, the shovels, the forks, and all its vessels for King Solomon, for Yahweh's house of bright bronze. The king cast them in the plain of the Jordan, in the clay ground between Sukkoth and Zeradah. Thus Solomon made all these vessels in great abundance, for the weight of the bronze could not be determined. Solomon made all the vessels that were in God's house, the golden altar also, and the tables with the showbread on them, and the lampstands with their lamps, to burn according to the ordinance before the inner sanctuary of pure gold, and the flowers, the lamps, and the tongs of gold that was perfect gold, and the snuffers, the basins, the spoons, and the firepans of pure gold. As for the entry of the house, its inner doors for the most holy place, and the doors of the main hall of the temple were of gold. Okay, so we're moving along with the construction of the temple, and Solomon with his friend Huram, the, the artisan, are making all this furniture, and um, it said that there was so much bronze it could not be weighed. And that makes sense to me. It doesn't mean that... Um, you know, I guess the question you've got to consider is how do they weigh things in ancient times? And I googled it, and it showed me a picture of a little set of scales on a desk with two little things that went like this. And you would uh, you'd have a, a standard weight on one side, let's say one talent of gold, and you want to find out how much gold you got on the other side. You put your gold on it, and it might go bloop, and you know you've got less than a talent of gold. So you could, you could work out weighing things by comparing them with other things you already knew. But when you've got vast quantities of bronze and you're making giant things, well, <laughs> it's just too hard to work it out. Just say, ah, it's too much, we can't weigh it. Uh, so that's the bronze. 
or a lot of stuff made of bronze. And it said it was cast in the clay at this certain place. And that um, just sounds interesting to me, that there was a part of Israel with all this clay, and they would go get the clay and make the shape, and then they would pour the molten bronze in. Very, very interesting. I don't know that anyone could do that today. Uh, you know, could make the clay molds. It just sounds complicated. Today we just do things with 3D printers. <laughs> anyway, the interesting thing out of this chapter for me, which I never even noticed before, in all the years I've been reading the Bible, I never saw this, but was the, the, the discussion of gold. As it's going through this chapter and also the previous one, every time it would mention gold, it would give it an adjective. So sometimes it would say that a certain thing was made of fine gold. Another time it would say that something was made of pure gold. And there was one time it said something was made of perfect gold. And then right at the end it said the doors of the sanctuary were made of gold. <laughs> so there's gold, there's fine gold, there's pure gold, and then there's perfect gold. I thought, wow, what's the difference? And um, I, I, I know that today, if you buy a wedding ring, you can get a nine carat, a 10 carat. There's all different carat sizes. You can get a 14 carat, an 18 carat. I looked up um, a chart on gold. And so apparently, nine carat gold today, if you had a nine carat gold ring, you might be wearing, wearing one right now, you would say that's gold. But did you know it's only 37% gold? <laughs> it's only one third gold. The other two thirds are stronger metals to make it give it a strong shape. So if you take your gold ring off, your nine carat gold ring, not your higher quality one, you can push it, it's gonna keep its shape. But if you took off a pure gold ring with a thin, you imagine a, you know, a thin, like an aluminium can. Um, so I've got over here, an empty can, well it's not completely empty, but this is an aluminium can, but you can squish it. See how soft it is? See it squished in at the sides? And um, gold, pure gold, especially if it's thin, like in a ring, you could squish that in, you could bend it in, because it's not strong. So the more pure the gold gets, the weaker it gets. That's why they make wedding rings mixed with, mixed with other things, because they've got to survive regular life. So nine carats you'd say was just gold, 10 carats is 41% gold. 14 carats, there's a lot of rings that are made of 14 carats. They are 58% gold. You just say that's still gold. Um, 18 carat, which there are some rings made of 18 carat, they're 75% gold, but they're a lot softer. And um, I know my wife's um, engagement ring, it's made of, um, I think it's 14 or 18, and she has to get it dipped it's like a thing, a process you do every one to two years because the gold wears off. And um, it might be longer than one to two years, but there's a, over time it wears off and you have to spend, you know, 50 or $100 to get it re-dipped. And so that's what happens because it's softer. And then 24 karat gold is 99.9% .9 gold. And they call that, um, now let me read what I've got here. They call that fine gold. It's almost pure, um, but pure gold is 100%. And uh, to get something to be pure, now pure I think is 99.99% .99 gold. So they've got to go through this process of refining, which I'm no expert on this process, but the refining process involves heating it up and taking impurities off and then cooling down and heating it up again. So this process is, is um, 
what you do to get the gold more and more refined. So here in the tabernacle, we've got fine gold, we've got gold, we've got fine gold, pure gold, and perfect gold. So there were different types of gold. And it's very interesting to go through these two passages, chapter three and four, and read which parts of the tabernacle or which parts of the temple had pure gold or perfect gold or fine gold or just gold. For example, the main doors right at the entrance when you first arrive, they've just got gold. You know, just gold. But that gold is still, it still makes it look great, but it's not the best, best stuff. When you get into the very holy of holies where the, it says the lampstands in there were made of pure gold. So there you go. You should maybe just go back and reread it through just to pick up some of those differences. Now I thought I wanted to just finish this chapter by commenting that the Bible says that our faith is refined in the fire like gold. And um, so you and I, you know, in one hand, the, you know, we're talking about the vessels in the temple, but on another hand, in the New Testament perspective, you and I, we are vessels for God's service and we are refined. And the Lord, the Lord wants us to be refined. He wants us to be of pure gold. But what you and I often, what often we don't want is we don't want to be refined because it's not fun. The refining process involves trials and tribulations in our lives. And it's through these trials and tribulations that the imperfections in our life come out and we, you know, hopefully we recognize them. And so the Lord puts us through difficulties or he allows us to go through difficulties, but sometimes he actually does put us in them. And then in those difficulties, we see what we really like. And in that process of seeing it, you can remove it. You know, when they refine gold, the impurities come to the top, you see it and then you take it out. And so you might be um, in a situation which causes you to be angry, where you're supposed to say, oh, I didn't know I had that problem. <laughs> so rather than getting all depressed, you say, Lord, thank you for revealing it to me. Now help me to remove it. And you ask for grace to, to be at work. And so this process of refining, it's not something that was just done for gold in the temple back then. It's something that's supposed to be ongoing in our lives now because we are supposed to be vessels for use by the Lord in his work and we're supposed to be refined. We're supposed to get better and better and to be more and more useful all along. Very interestingly, in the New Testament, you know, there are lots of places where it talks about apostles. Paul talks about apostles, you know, going through great difficulties. But also the color or the symbol of gold is a symbol that is used in scripture to speak of apostles. So apostles are supposed to be leading the church, but they're also supposed to be highly refined. <laughs> they're supposed to go through a lot. And that's one of the reasons why you should never volunteer to be an apostle. Because if you volunteer to be an apostle, you're volunteering for trials and tribulations because the Lord will need to refine you to become what he needs you to be. So I would personally be happy to just be a regular Christian and just have gold rather than be a... Uh, an apostle or you know and have to have fine gold or pure gold or any of that so uh, if the Lord calls you to it fine but uh, if he hasn't called you to it don't volunteer so but either way there's refining that's going to take on so you are not going to escape the refining process it's going to happen it's just how much is going to happen <laughs> so Lord we surrender to your will and we say, Lord, if you have things you want to do in our lives, you are welcome. Lord, let it be according to us according to your will. Let your grace be at work to purify us and make us out of us people useful for your service, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.